I think this is on. Yeah, it is. All right, good morning. We got some more folks uh, coming in, I think, or will be uh, as we get started this morning. Um, if you got your handout left over from last week, we're still in 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have one, Chris, uh, Chris and Turner. I think, were, were, you, were you handing them out? I saw you with a sheet. Okay, it's just Chris then. <laughs> um, anyway, we got people handing out uh, extra handouts from last week. So we didn't get, uh, Tom and I didn't get nearly as far as, well, it's not like we didn't get that far, but we didn't finish the whole thing. I'll put it that way. So if you got right. your Bibles, your Bible apps, go ahead and open up to First Timothy chapter 2. Um, that's where we're going to be this morning. Also, just to remind you guys, or if you haven't been with us, as a part of this discussion to let you know that on that worksheet, on that um, handout, uh, up here in the top right corner is a QR code, and um, we'd like for you to click on that. That opens up a thing called Padlet uh, on your phone or on your tablet, whichever one you're using, and so you can uh, submit questions through that, uh, through that app if you want to. And we'll, I mean, Tom and I took a whole lot of, what's the word, live questions, right. like in-person questions, right. Uh, last week, and we can kind of do that again today. But if you got a question that maybe we we don't have time to get to, put that on the on the padlet, and we'll get to it. Uh, or if you're just like, I don't want to raise my hand and say something out loud, but I have a question, put that on the padlet as well. And um, you were saying about just stuff yeah. we covered so far. Uh, and by the way, that is the same padlet from last week, so you got the right one. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've got questions or things that we've not covered so far, we're mm -hmm. two to three weeks from wrapping this thing up. And so if you've got other comments or things you'd like to be heard, just throw it in this week's Padlet, and we'll sift through those things and try to make sure we cover those before we're through. So uh, this would be a good week to get all that stuff on the table so we can address it. Absolutely. So uh, we were in First Timothy chapter 2, um, specifically looking at verses uh, 11, I believe it's 11 and 12. Right. Um, which says, A woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. I do not permit... A woman to teach or to have authority over man, she must be silent. So that's what—that's the main crux of, of what we're looking at this morning, what we were looking at uh, last week. But we talked about last week. You got to be careful about just taking, just lifting, um, lifting the the square out of the brownies is the analogy that I made <laughs> last week. But you got to be careful. Context about, that I never had before. Exactly. <laughs> you got to be careful about lifting just two verses out of the middle of the entire context, and so. Uh, we were talking about how this this chapter, even when you have uh, maybe some of our English translations that say this particular chapter, First Timothy chapter two, is about instructions on worship, like the the I guess we can call it corporate worship or the the church, you know, meeting together to worship together. That's not really the context of First Timothy two. And if you read through the entire chapter, you recognize that Paul is talking about just more like. Just living life, just on a daily basis. This is this is how we are to live. These are the kind of attitudes we're supposed to have, the kind of actions we're supposed to take, uh, not just limited to um, what happens in the room when the church worships together. So we have to keep verses 11 and 12 in that context and not just limit it um, to the worship assembly. So that's one of the things that we pointed out uh, last week. Um, and then... I don't know where we want to, I don't know how much we want yeah. to rehash. Like, yeah, no, I, I think it is worth over. saying that um, there are a couple of different points that we looked into last week, uh, talking about how women might. Is it saying that women have to learn in total silence, 
And, you know, where do you draw that line then mm -hmm. if you're saying total silence? Where, where, where does the silence begin? Does it begin when you walk in the door or does it begin sometime between walking through the door and getting your coffee and getting in here? Right. Um, and then the second point we kind of spend some time on is um, a woman not aggressively assuming a leadership role or a, a, a control. And so those are the two things we addressed last week. And then this week we're talking more about that husband-wife kind of relationship. And we had a couple of questions there at the bottom that we thought we'd get into too. So, yeah. So... Uh, so we went through, uh, on that handout, we went to, through kind of the first two, um, underneath where, where it says, uh, what is Paul saying? We went through those first two right. options, and we're kind of getting ready to talk about option number three. But I do also want to remind everybody, um, the other thing that we have to pay attention to when we're talking about First Timothy chapter 2 is recognizing this is Paul writing to Timothy, obviously. But Timothy is in the city of Ephesus, and Paul has spent time in Ephesus. If you go back and read um, in the book of Acts, you, you find that Paul spent about three years in the city of Ephesus. He had a, a very, uh, of all the churches that he spent time with, this is one they spent, as far as we know, the most time with um, during his ministry uh, and um, had a very, um, very close relationship with him. Matter of fact, when he's um, in the book of Acts, when he's on his way uh, to Jerusalem and knows that he's going to end up getting arrested while he's there, he actually calls the elders of this particular church to come meet him, and he wants to pray over them and, and wants to, you know, visit with them. So there's a there's a kind of a closer relationship, yeah. you know, uh, that I think Paul feels like he has um, with this church, maybe compared to some of the other ones that he worked with. But uh, now he's, uh, this is several years past that, he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy is kind of, you know, if not an elder, he's basically leading yeah. uh, this church. And, and so... Uh, there's some awareness that Paul has about Ephesus and about the church in Ephesus, and now he's telling Timothy, hey, you're going to be the leader there. Here's some things you need to be working on, need to be aware of. Here's some things that are happening in that culture that are infiltrating the church, and you need to be aware of those things. Uh, and so, again, this fits in that. That's important because we, talk, we spent some time last week talking about just the culture of Ephesus, especially when it comes to um, women uh, in the Ephesian society compared to the rest of the Mediterranean world at the time. You had the, the worship of Artemis, uh, the, the temple of, of Artemis is one of the seven wonders of the world, this, and, and uh, the religion of worshiping Artemis, you know, kind of infiltrated every part of that culture. Um, it, it was part of their economy. It was, it was part of uh, their laws. You know, they, they, those things kind of revolved around the worship of this goddess, including the elevation of, uh, of women just in culture and in society and in that city. And women were given much more status. Um, as a matter of fact, it was the women who were, uh, who were given the responsibility or maybe assumed the responsibility of teaching people in Ephesus about how to worship Artemis, how to, you know, what Artemis was expected of them and how to... Um, uh, you know, follow her, that, that goddess is, right. you know, what, what she was dictating as her way of life. It was the women who were, who were taking as much or more of the lead as men in the city of Ephesus. So that's what's going on in that culture at the time. And that bled into, obviously, uh, you know, family relationships and work relationships and into the church. And so Paul, as he's talking to Timothy about working with people who are living in that culture, 
uh, has an awareness of what it's like living in Ephesus and how, you know, just how, how pervasive that culture could be in the church. Does that right. make sense? Right, yeah. Okay, so remembering all that, some of y'all were here last week, so that's, that's a really quick run through uh, of, of some of the things that we talked about in a little bit more detail last week. So if you want more discussion on that, again, you can ask a question in the Padlet or you can go back on our website. Um, yeah. You know, all, all of these classes, we're, we're filming them and we're, we're posting them on our website. So you can go back and watch the whole thing uh, there if you want to. So looking at these different options, we said, um, as you already said, it could be that, that Paul is saying that a woman is never... Um, you know, uh, she has to learn about God's word uh, and God's will for her life in total silence. Uh, she's never allowed to teach man. She's never allowed to hold any kind of position over man that has been deemed a position of authority um, by the church. And she's not allowed to speak in the worship assembly. And what you just said is like, well, you know, then we get into, okay, what, where is that where, <laughs> yeah. when, is she, when is she in the worship assembly? Uh, and, and exactly where do we draw the line on? where she can and can't be silent is it when she walks in the room and just like you gotta be quiet now or is it only when there's something happening up on stage and right. she can't do that or what if we're not in this room yeah. but when those yeah. rooms are having a bible study can she talk then can she ask a question can, right. you know right. uh and all not, that she's got to ask that at home so. all that in context of this is all modern thing here right right, right. you know so exactly. their worship wasn't have, like this right. anyway that's right so. they were meeting in homes and stuff anyway <laughs> right. so yeah, yeah. So when she walked in the door, did she have to be I silent at that point? You know? Unless she was cooking. <laughs> he's going to get himself in trouble there. My yeah. wife's in the nursery today, so I can say anything I want to. Well, just, Jason will edit that part yeah, out. Yeah, edit that you out, know, please. Go, we'll go through class. All right, okay. The second option is that a woman, um, uh, you know, she learned about God's will for her life in a submissive way. Um, she shouldn't aggressively. Right. Uh, assume a, a, any kind of authority um, over man, but she's also never allowed to teach man or hold any kind of position over man that's, that's deemed some kind of position of authority. The third thing, and this is where this is our cliffhanger last week. This is where we put the bookmark last week. Um, is uh, maybe relooking or taking a fresh look at how we uh, translate these English words because this text was originally written in ancient Greek, and we've talked about it. You have it up at the top of your handout. This word aner or andros and the word uh, gune or gunakos, you know, the, the word for man is also the word for husband. It's interchangeable. Uh, the word for woman is also the word for wife. Um, it's just the same word. So when you look through scripture, when you go through the Greek words and look, we have to, um, we have to decide for ourselves, based on the context, what we think you know, is that saying woman or is that saying wife? Is that saying man or is that saying husband? And so uh, one other way to look at this particular scripture is uh, to read it in this way. I do not, uh, I'm sorry, a wife should learn in, full, in, in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a wife to teach or have authority over a husband. She must be silent. So, and, and also if we're looking at this not... Um, as just worship practices, but just life in general, then you start looking at it from the context of a husband-wife relationship. So could it be that Paul is not talking about when we get together for worship, but Paul is talking about the husband-and-wife relationship, uh, you know, in the home, in, in, in their marriage with each other. So 
It could be that what Paul is saying is that a wife, a wife should learn about God in a way that doesn't supersede the role of her husband. Uh, she doesn't need to assume a, a dominant role over her husband. Again, that's, that was one of the things that happened or was happening just in the Ephesian culture. That women were, were um, wives were domineering right. uh, and had permission to do so, right. you know, over their husbands, okay? Um, she should adopt a quiet uh, mindset in her marriage, including how she comes to a greater knowledge of God. I do want to point this out. Remember that word that we looked at there in verse uh, 12? She must be silent. Remember we said that same word. I don't, I don't know if that's on the handout or not. Uh, it's not. It's not this week. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that same word that, said, that, that we translate there as silent is the exact same word. Uh, in, in quietness in verse 11, right. uh, is the exact same word that Paul uses in verse 2 when he says, um, well, verse 1 and 2, I urge them, first of all, that request um, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Is Paul saying that we need to be mutes and never speak when we're in public. Is that what he's saying in verse 2? Obviously not, right? Y'all can answer out loud. It's okay. Yeah, it's right. Like We can have discussion. Is he saying that we need to live in total silence on a daily basis? He is not, right? But it's the same word, the same exact same Greek word that he uses here in verse um, 12. So is he talking about absolute silence or is he talking about quiet and peaceful? Not disruptive, not causing problems, uh, not being antagonistic, however you want right. to, you know, not confrontational, however you want to kind of uh, define that. So, yeah, just before you move on there, I ahead. think it's, it's worth saying too there in verse 3, it goes on to say, it's so you have influence over mm -hmm. people to bring them to God. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're this contentious type of people, you're going to lose your influence. And so he says later in verse 3, this is, this is all because of God, and we're trying to bring people to him. And then when you get on down to 8, it transitions. It says, therefore, mm -hmm. so now continue living other ways. Let me give you other ways of living so that you can have influence. Right. It's really paraphrase, right? Yeah. Kind of what the context is. This whole chapter yeah. is Paul basically saying, don't live this contentious That's right. Don't live this yeah. contentious life. Right. Don't be picking fights with people. Don't right. be overly aggressive. Be the kind of person that other people want to yeah. be around. Live a quiet life. Yeah. Right. And and that people yeah. live the kind of life that pe other yeah. people are like, I want a part of that. That's right. I want to be part right. of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so keeping that same concept here in right. verses 11, 12. So when he says, um, I got to go back to it. Yep. Uh, a woman should, or I, I, we can read it, a wife. Um, Am I? Why should learn? Thank you. Uh, in quietness and full submission, I do not permit a wife to teach or have authority over her husband. She must be, we can say quiet. She must be peaceful. She must not be not contentious. Uh, contentious. Right. That, to me, seems to fit with what Paul says even in other places. The discussion that we've had when we've looked through 1 Corinthians uh, when Paul is, is addressing, you know, head coverings, 1 Corinthians 11, why is he addressing head coverings? Because of, you know, how he wants to make sure that, that, um, that 
women are not miscommunicating something about right. their relationship uh, with their husbands. Uh, I mean, we haven't looked at it, but in, in Ephesians, an actual letter to the church in Ephesus, right. in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul goes through a lengthy discussion about the, the connection, the role, the relationship between a husband and a wife. What's the right. thing that he says about wives? Wives, you need to submit to your husbands, okay? Is he saying you need to be slaves to your husbands? No, but in, especially in that culture in Ephesus, you have these women who have lived their entire lives and, and, and been taught that they can be, um, that they are superior to their husbands and need to act that way right. and, and kind of hold their husbands under, under their thumb. Now these women have become Christians, but they're still holding on to that same mindset. And Paul's going, you don't need to be that way. Right. You need to submit to your husbands. Which then, you know, the husband is like, that's right. You submit. Right. That's right. 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 But you go on reading from there. He goes, "Uh, before you husbands think that you get to domineer your wives, (coughs) you need to love your wife. That's right. Love your wife in in such a way that Christ loved the church. How how much did Christ love us? He gave up everything to meet our greatest need. So husbands, give up everything to meet your wife's greatest needs, whatever those are. And before, even before, like, the whole submission thing, like he says in verse 21, just in general, we all need to submit to one another. That's right. Out of reverence for Christ. Okay. And he's saying that to the church in Ephesus. Now he's telling Timothy, hey, those people are going to struggle with this whole concept of living quiet and peaceful lives. You've got... um, you got men who are going to be, you know, contentious and domineering. You got women. I mean, that's he, yeah. that's why he talks about in verse um, nine about women's dress because right. women in Ephesian society, especially these priestesses of and and um, teachers of Artemis, it was all about adorning themselves and you know dressing their hair up and having gold and jewelry and, and these fancy clothes. Uh, and so he's like this, he's basically saying, this is what, this is the culture that you're in. This is what these folks are used to. You've got to address that. Okay. So as we're addressing that, as we're addressing living in peaceful and quiet lives, how men are supposed to live their lives, how women are supposed to live their lives. Let me very quickly say something about husbands and wives. I don't, we don't need these wives who have had a culture and upbringing of dominating their husbands. They don't need to do that. They need, to, they need to be submissive. Like I've already told them in another letter. Right. I've already told them that, but you need to be teaching that too, Timothy. And I think it's interesting that in Timothy, he doesn't, or he addresses the quietness that we've pulled out and said this needs to be silent. But in his letter to the church at Ephesus, it doesn't say for women to be quiet. It talks about submission. And mm-hmm. so to me, and these two books are written fairly close together, you mm-hmm. would think... If quietness was the intent, true quietness or silence, that would have been addressed to the entire church when he wrote to the church. And so to me, it feels kind of odd. I I don't know that that's a a defining principle there, but it just feels odd that he would not address it with the whole church if that was the intent here. So So I feel like this this is talking more about the relationship between a husband and wife than it is women in the church in general. Um, I, I think, I feel like it fits the context more and I feel like it also matches up with Paul's other teachings um, in other letters, okay? Uh, so that's really kind of the three, three main ways to look at this passage. And this is the three main ways we've been looking at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Thoughts? Comments? Right. <laughs> yeah. How do we know for sure? I, I don't think the entire chapter is, is just about the marriage relationship because, because um, you know, I, when he talks about living the peaceful and quiet lives in verses 2 and 3, I don't, I don't think that's just talking about married people. Right. I think that's Christians in general. Um, and so I think just as he's kind of working through, it, it, it's kind of whittling it down, I guess. You know, here's all of us uh, men and women who who claim to be Christians yeah. need to live peaceful and quiet lives and need to live lives in a way that other people want to be a part of what we're a part of. Yeah. Now, specifically, men, y'all need to be, instead of being, you know, he says, lift your hands in prayer instead of lifting fists is basically what he says there uh, in verse 8. You know, lift holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing. Quit fighting each other and start praying for each other. Yeah. In verse 9, women, let your let let what people see about you and see that is beautiful in you is the stuff you do, mm-hmm. not the way you look. Wives, stop trying to supersede and take over um, your husbands. You know, learn, but learn in, in submission. Be submissive to each other. Because then he goes on and, and, and then starts talking about, you know, the in, in the church itself with shepherds and deacons and that kind of thing, which is another, <laughs> another yeah, topic. Right. So, but that's my answer to that. I don't think the whole chapter is just about husbands and wives, but I think this particular, this particular part is. Good other questions. Thoughts? Anybody yeah. else? You know, another one for me, when you look back at some of the passages we've studied, particularly over in First um, Corinthians 11, where we looked at uh, when women are, praying they should cover their head it, it feels to me like in corinthians that paul assumed women were going to be speaking in the assembly mm-hmm. they were going to at least be praying likely prophesying, prophesying mm-hmm. right and so now to say be quiet and that mm-hmm. mean absolute silence or not be able to lead a prayer or to give a prophecy it, it feel it just doesn't fit for me mm-hmm. i have a hard time reconciling those two mm-hmm. passages um, and that's the one that I keep going back to myself is that Corinthians 11 is I, I can't find anything in there that suggests that women weren't going to be doing that. When they do it, <clears throat> it has to be appropriate, right? It's not if they do it or should you allow them to do it. <laughs> right. It's like it's part of it. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you precede that with everybody in here as part of the body and we all have unique gifts, if a lady has a unique gift and she's not using that gift, are we not as a body suffering? Right. And so that's where I just keep going back. And it's like, I need to reconcile these things. And if I take the, excuse me, the first interpretation up there where total silence, I can't get there. Mm -hmm. I just can't get there. It just doesn't seem to match with other things. Uh, So so a couple of questions that we put on this, on this handout to um, consider if, if we feel like, you know, this is about silence and women are not allowed to, you know, be up front preaching yeah. or allowed to teach class that has uh, men in it. Again, we got to kind of decide, okay, well, what are the exact rules and regulations right. if we're going yeah, to, if right. we're going to um, 
you know, interpret it that way. But one question is, okay, if, if women are, are not allowed to teach men, what do we do with um, Acts chapter 18 and verse 26 when Priscilla, who is a woman, is one of the ones teaching um, Apollos, who is a man? Uh, and that was, you know, actually, um, I mean, that's two people that, that Paul yeah. made connection with. That's right. Uh, and then Paul, I believe it was in Ephesus. Yeah, it uh, was. Apollos I, comes to Ephesus. I, I look and, back at yeah, that. Yeah, and Priscilla yeah. and Aquila are there. Uh, they had gone with Paul over to Ephesus, yeah. and then Paul leaves. Apollos yeah. shows up. Yeah. He has an awareness of Christ, and he's teaching some things, but he just he doesn't have the full truth. And you know, Acts chapter eighteen says it wasn't just Aquila, the husband; it was also Priscilla, Aquila's yeah. wife, that was involved in teaching right. um, Apollos. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I think is striking there, if you look at Acts eighteen at the very beginning, Acts two eighteen two says that. It was Aquila and his wife Priscilla. Mm -hmm. And then later when he's talking about Aquila and Priscilla, the order's changed. Right. It says Priscilla and Aquila. Mm -hmm. And so Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos, mm -hmm. and Priscilla and Aquila, I'm in, I'm in wrong order, went to Ephesus with Paul. Actually, mm -hmm. it says he took them to Ephesus, mm -hmm. and he left them there, maybe for the purpose of teaching, right? right. Mm -hmm. And then when Apollos shows up and he's not quite got it right, it says... Priscilla and Aquila taught him, right. right? And then if you'll remember, what did Apollos go on to do? If it's the same Apollos, I suspect yeah. it is. Yeah. Did he have any impact? Yeah. In case you don't know, he went back over to Corinth. That's right, that's right. And later Paul addresses Corinth and says, no, it's in Romans, right? Romans? No, it's... It, it's in Corinthians. Well, yeah. he, the, one of the yeah. issues in, in, that he addresses in 1 yeah. Corinthians chapter 1 is, right. you guys are, are treating Apollos... That's right. On a higher level than Jesus. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Some of you say you're of Apollos. Some of you say you're of Paul, mm -hmm. right? And so Apollos went on to do great stuff. Oh, yeah. Like he brought a lot of people to God. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm, I, I, I'm interpreting a little bit, but it says Priscilla and Aquila taught him. Not mm -hmm. Aquila and Priscilla, or not just Aquila, right? So she had a part of that teaching. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. Well, it sure feels like she was part of it. Right. So then yeah. it becomes a question, well, if Paul's saying I don't permit a woman right. to right. teach or have authority over a man, man <laughs> then it yeah. seems like he would, yeah. you know, except for except for Paulus, that was okay. But otherwise, you right. know, it just right. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. If that's, there was just one time, right? <laughs> this one yeah. exception. Yeah, yeah. Um, the no, other, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, no, that's interesting. So the comment was, I'll let you, I'll let you answer, but just the comment was, in all the Church of Christ upbringing uh, that Ruth was a part of, and looking at this, uh, scripture and looking at Apollos that Priscilla what she was taught was Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos to their home and taught him but since this is talking about as as we a lot of us were led to believe that this is about the worship assembly so they can't teach and when the whole church is together but you can have um, you know a Bible study at home and a, and a woman can teach which again 
you're reading a lot into the text right. if you right. if you do that. Yeah. Go ahead. And yeah. No. I, what was. I was just kind of laughing at, if nothing else, is there is a tendency to say, well, well, we can't put anything in there that's not in there, right? <laughs> we have to take it pure how it's written. But at times we put stuff in there to go. Well, this is talking about a home. Right. But we don't know that any more than this is talking about worship or not worship, right? And right. so through the years, and and I like you, Ruth, uh, you know, been taught through the years, this is what this says. And and honestly, that's why we want to dig into stuff as a group and say, is that what that always said? Or is this what I learned? And I've never taken the time to actually study it. I just accepted what I've been taught for years. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't know how it became under that. The head. only the right. question is how do how do we yeah. how do we come to believe that yeah. Acts chapter I'm sorry First Timothy chapter two um, is addressing a worship service. Uh, part of it is because somebody at some point started putting that in our Bibles mm-hmm. um, because that's the way they read it. The other, the other part of it is I think people read the specific, like when we get to verses 8 and 9 where it's a little bit more specific. I want men uh, everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. Well, we started reading that as, okay, well, they're not going to do that on the job. I mean, like some, some construction worker is not going to stop in the middle of his project and start mm-hmm. lifting his, whole, his hands up in prayer. So, so it can't be talking about everyday life. Um, and then women, you know, the, like when are they going to get together with all their hair done up and their makeup? That's, he's talking about at the church when they, when they I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> I think that's, I think those verses yeah. and looking at those yeah. verses through that lens right. caused people yeah. to think, oh, this, this whole thing is about the worship assembly. And it's not. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, the comment was, especially for those watching online, the comment was that, that even when we see the header instructions on worship, we think worship service, the church being together for a worship mm-hmm. service. And Paul in Romans chapter 12 says, you know, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that's a daily thing. And right. he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. So if we are, even if we were saying this instruction on worship, it's still about the daily worship being produced by how we live our lives, uh, not just in the worship yeah. assembly. Yes, sir. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The comment was we're here we're with Paul's words here and other places. I, th- I think you're exactly right, Fred. Even the things we're looking at in First Corinthians, 
we're only hearing one side of the conversation, to borrow your words. We're only seeing one perspective. Paul is addressing something, and he knows what he's talking about, and the people that he's writing to know exactly what he's talking about. We don't have the complete picture. We're trying to piece it together, uh, but we're not there in the room. We're not experiencing it ourselves. Uh, and so, yeah, we have to, we, we, we don't get a full picture um, sometimes what Paul yeah. is addressing here. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of brings up the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Just the Bible the publishers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't even think it's from the translators. It's from the publishers chose to put the headers there because mm-hmm. we can look at different editions of the same translation of the different heading. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've seen that in here. Yeah. yeah. The, the NIV 1984 has, yeah. which is what I use, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's is, old. Is, I know, yeah. it is now, <laughs> um, has different headings. Yeah. 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 That's, mine does too. Right. That's right. what either, either, the group of translators that came up with their, that translation suggested those headings, yeah. or the publisher themselves, yeah. as they're reading through it, you know, said, "Okay, well, well this is what this we is think about. this is yeah. about." And mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting to even think about the chapter division. You know, who decided to divide this chapter right here because it was a continuous thought, and so that was look, King James. Yeah, King yeah, James King did that. <laughs> I know that answer. That was back in the 1600s. But isn't that interesting that you know there are times when we're reading and studying, we'll come to the end of a chapter and just it's done, right? Yeah. And and a lot of times, man, if you'll just turn to the next chapter and read that little bit in the beginning of the next chapter, you're like, oh, there's the context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His thought wasn't done yet. Yeah. Right. Right. Good questions. Yeah. Yes, sir. And now I'll come to you, Mike. You're good. First Corinthians fourteen definitely, yeah. and, we, and we talked about yeah. how I mean that you want, yeah, orderly worship. Yeah, right? it's it, that the context of First yeah. Corinthians fourteen is is definitely from what we can tell uh, what Paul is talking about there is definitely what's happening in the worship assembly. Now, I mean, you'd have to go back. I, I don't want to spend the whole time this morning talking about it. I'm not trying to dodge your question. Um, but if you go back and look at, at at our discussion there, we had some different options of how to look at at. Uh, when he says in 1 Corinthians 14 that women are to, are to be silent, we had some different options of how to translate that as well. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, like, the one that, that seems to make the most sense to me at this point is looking at verses 34 and 35, I think, of 1 Corinthians 14 as Paul quoting the Corinthians. He's saying, this is what you guys are saying. Women are to be uh Silent. Um, I, I can't quote it off the top of my head, uh-huh, but but uh-huh. that that whole thing is a quote from that. And then verse thirty six. Then he starts addressing that. Well, the word of God is not. Ju- it didn't originate with you guys. It, it, it's not just for you. Uh, and and he goes on from there to you know. Again, that's that's part of our discussion, and I, I I'd be glad to talk with you more about it. Um, yeah. Honestly, I just I wasn't going to take up the time this morning. I'm not trying to dodge it. Okay, Mike. Yeah, um, I guess I guess we could like. We, I mean, the church. <laughs> we talk about going to church, we, and we mean coming to the church building and doing the things with other church people. But but the church is 
us, right? It's the people, for sure. And so that's, that kind of enters into our understanding of worship, church, the worship assembly, those kinds of things. I, I totally agree with that. Um, yes, ma'am. Right. For the most part, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So the comment was, you know, the, the, their meeting places were in the homes. Not, they didn't have, uh, most places didn't have church buildings. I mean, there were still some Christians that would meet maybe in a synagogue or maybe in, you know, in, the, in, the, in some public places like a temple or, or you know. Uh, but for the most part, you're right. When, they, when Christians got together, it was at somebody's house. Uh, which is much more informal. Uh, as a matter of fact, from what we can tell, from what little resources yeah. that we have, there was a lot of, as far as what we would, I guess, call first century worship assemblies, that was just everybody getting together for a big potluck. And in the middle of all that, somebody's going to get up and start talking about, you know, yeah. uh, talking about Jesus or talking about what he's doing in their life or, you know, addressing some yeah. problem or whatever. Uh, it wouldn't look like, what we do nowadays, for yeah. sure. Yeah, a couple of interesting thoughts in the Padlet coming in is, is one comment is the word silence over in First Corinthians being a different word than the one in the Greek than the one here in Timothy. Have you looked at that much? I, I haven't thought. looked at it. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. You might be right. Yeah. I don't know if it's different or not. Is it a question or is it saying it's, it's, a, it's, it, it, it's I think it's important to note. Yes. 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 Yeah. And then another one, um, and Marshall and I talked about this, whether we grab these next few verses here, and I think we should since it came up. So uh, if you go back to First uh, Timothy 2, and there, uh, what is it, verse 14 and 15 that picks up on uh, Eve sinned and not Adam. And so there's a Padlet comment here as to, well, what's that all about? What is that? Right? About? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So okay, you so wanna... feel free. Yeah, yeah, yeah go I'm, ahead and take that. I'm yeah, that I don't have a man. clue. Go I've for read it, and read and read, <laughs> and I have no idea. It, you know, I think when you you look at that, I, it, it sounds like maybe what Paul's addressing there is that um, there was an order of wives submitting to husbands as Adam submitted to Eve because of what was built in the beginning. That maybe Paul's trying to get outside of. You know, regardless of what the culture says, there's still this this order that was created from the beginning that Adam was created for first, and Eve was was created to help him as his wife. And because of what happened through sin and temptation, she is is going to continue to submit to her husband. Again, I don't know if that's the answer or not, but I did read across that mm-hmm. and thought that's an interesting explanation of that. Yeah, it, I, I honestly think those two verses are hard to figure out. For sure, There's verses yeah. thirteen to fifteen. If you yeah. go, if you Google it, if you go find yeah. uh, you know an actual commentary with pages to flip through and yeah. read uh, through it, you're going to find yes. dozens of opinions. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, yeah. One, one answer to that, if we if we stick with um, or, or keeping the context of understanding the the culture of Ephesus, especially concerning the worship of Artemis, uh, and then also bringing in new teachings that might have been infiltrating, the, I don't like that word, but, but right. creeping into the church um, at this point, if you've heard of Gnosticism before, right. that, was a, that was a movement that was starting to, to come in the church, and, and the word 
the word Gnostic uh, it comes from Gnosis, which means knowledge. And it was, it was a group of Christians that felt like um, they had a deeper knowledge of, of who God was and who Jesus was and, and what um, you know, Jesus was calling us to. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of different Gnostic teachings that seem to be addressed in some of the later books of the Bible. Just one of the things that both the Ephesian culture and Gnosticism would, would uh, push forward is the superiority of uh, women to men, um, especially, again, with this, with this Artemis worship. And so there would be this concept, even among these Ephesian women who believed in Jesus, that would, still say, that would look back at the story of Adam and Eve um, and say, well, Eve was, was the, the, you know, she's the woman, she's the more right. important one. And Paul is addressing that yeah. by saying, you know, you don't need to push uh, Eve to the front. Right. You know, I, I mean, yeah. the Gnostics even took the story of Adam and Eve and said Eve was actually uh, doing the right thing because she was pursuing this greater knowledge. I mean, what was, yeah. what, what was, the, what was the tree, what was the fruit? What was that tree? Okay, it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So she was pursuing this greater knowledge, and um, you know it, it was that that was that was actually a, a yeah. good thing for her to do. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's what's being addressed, and I don't yeah, know if I that's what Paul is addressing yeah. there, yeah. but it it would be just more of of addressing this female domineering culture uh, that Paul is addressing here, and go listen. It's not let's not elevate women to a higher status than what God intended. I mean, let's be honest. The woman was created second. She sinned first. Like, it's not, we don't need to put her on a higher right. pedestal than men, which, yeah. again, we've already talked about in this class, that they're, in, yeah. in Christ, there's neither male nor female. They're equal. Right. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them complementary uh, to each other. Yeah. Um, and, that, and I think that's what Paul is getting back at here, I think, this is my opinion, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what he's addressing when he starts talking about Adam and Eve. Hey, you got women in that church that are saying, well, Eve's more superior. Women are more superior to men, and Eve is more superior to Adam. And he's going, well, no. In actuality, the woman was created second. Right, right. He's yeah. not saying women are inferior. He's right. just saying in the order of things, right. she, you know, like, she's not superior because it's she was created second in the first place. Yeah. Sure, right? And yeah. she she yeah. was the, the yeah. one who sinned. Now, then you get to... 15. Verse 15. Yeah, there you go. She's going to be saved through childbirth. So yeah. if you got kids, uh, you get saved. You don't even have to worry about being baptized or anything. Just have a baby and you're saved. Is that what Paul's saying there? See, and, and there's all sorts of opinions about right. this. So, um, oh yeah. gosh, we yeah, got to wrap up. So let me, yeah. let me answer this question and then we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll pause for now. Yeah, I can already hear murmurs and whispers and stuff about childbearing. So, um, uh, Going back to the Greek, look at, look at verse 15. If you got it still open there in your Bibles and your apps. 1 Timothy 2.15. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Does anybody have a footnote when he says, uh, but women will be saved? Does anybody have a footnote for women? That word women. I've got one. Does anybody else have a footnote? What is it? She. she. Okay. If you go back to the actual Greek, it is the the the... Right. So, you know, third person singular so female. Gune. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it is it is she. Right. It, but it is a singular person. So I don't I don't know why. Before you ask the question, I'm already answering. I don't know why 
this got translated, women will be saved, unless the, whoever's translating this thought that made more sense. But, the, but the, um, the actual Greek word there is she. She will be saved uh, through childbearing. Now, does anybody, I, I'm asking, share with me if, if, if your particular translation you're looking at says the childbearing. Does anybody have one that says that? Nobody does. Oh, you do. Okay. What version is it? NLT. Okay. Um, so in the actual Greek, there is a definitive article for the in front of childbearing. So could it be that we're talking about a specific, not just childbearing in general, not just having babies in general, but a specific childbearing that took place, a specific child that was born? Okay. Now, if, I, I need to do this faster, don't I? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> if we're it, not doing this for three weeks in yeah, a row. If it's, she, if it's she, then we're talking about a specific woman, right? Well, who have we just been talking about? Eve. Eve, okay. So she, Eve, will be, you know, saved or, you know, that word could also be rescued. Um, anyway, through the childbearing. Well, which childbearing? Well, if you go back even to Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, and then God doles out his punishment, he talks about in chapter 3, I want to say verse 15, maybe 16, somewhere around there, he talks about how eventually God's going to fix this whole mess that Adam and Eve had gotten themselves into through a child that's going to be produced by their descendants. And that child is going to, like, Satan is going to strike his heel, but he's going to... Crush Satan's head. Y'all remember this? Some of y'all remember this? Okay? That's in Genesis chapter 3. What's God talking about? Thousands of years before it happened. He's talking about Jesus being born, right? And conquering Satan through the cross and through the resurrection. Everybody agree with that? Okay. What if, I'm just talking about verse 15. What if that is what, as Paul talks about Eve, and there would be this concept, well, then Eve, like Eve was the right. first sinner. Well, then she's, right. she's just an she awful gone. person. Well, right. Right. she's going to... That's be right. redeemed, she's going to be saved through right. the specific childbearing yeah. that took place when Jesus arrived. Yeah, just like the rest of us, which is at the beginning of 1 Timothy 2. Right. right. Yeah, because so we're all saved and we're all yeah, right. living this That's how this you want to live because of this. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. This is a great question. Okay, uh, we're yeah. out of time for today. So Ooh, uh, if you got, time. yeah, I think we're past time. <laughs> yeah, we are. But, um, yeah, so look at your handout next week. We're going to 1 Timothy 3. Uh, yes. Verse 11 particularly, but there's a, a, another pieces in there. So read that context and we'll be there next week. And then the week following that will be kind of a discussion wrap-up week. Um, and so be sure to be here the next couple weeks. Yeah, so we're going to go one more week than what we originally yeah. intended. We're going to go the first Sunday of November, just so everybody knows. But use that Padlet later on. Like, come back to, if you got a question, uh, probably now that I just mentioned childbearing and Eve. Yeah, right. Like, you know, put that on the Padlet. We'll get to it this week. I, I go back and look at the questions and, and try to answer them. So feel free to do that. Okay? Good. Thank you, Earl. Worship will start in about 10 or 12 minutes. Yep. Thank you.